Sol, thank you so much for joining us once again. How are you, brother? I'm doing really well, Pete. Thanks for having me again. It's, you know, the, there was a lot of really good feedback on our last chat. So I was hoping we might be able to talk again one of these days. And here we are. Here we are. Well, we've uh, definitely <laughs> traveled some miles, I'd say, over since our last chat and um, individually. Yeah, I wanted to ask how you're doing down there, you know, with everything going on. I've, you know, I, I've, I've got several good friends down under and, uh, you know, my heart certainly goes out and uh, my thoughts often trend that way. So, I've, you know, I've thought about you a number of times. How, how are you doing? Mate, I'm doing really well. Um, my wife and I, Nick, have opened a health retreat. We might have just been over a year. So we probably were opening when we spoke last time. And yeah, it's been great. We've, we, we, we're loving what we're doing. We have the most amazing guests that come through. We teach cooking retreats, wellness retreats, yoga retreats. Uh, so yeah, it's really good. I've, I've been able to incorporate pretty much everything that I've learned over the last 30 or more years in the, in the culinary space and the health space into, into one venue. And yeah, we're living on the land on 200 acres of majestic rainforest, very sacred land. So yeah, oh I, I, I definitely cannot complain and I'm very grateful for the experience that um, we've manifested for ourselves and yeah, grateful for, for all, the, all the guests that come through to support us as well, which is um, yeah, really, really beautiful because we've been beaten around uh, the bush, so to speak, in, um, by the media over here for labelled a crazy, a crackpot. They, uh, they call me disgraced whenever they use um, an adjective to describe me in the media these days. So, yeah, so grateful for the support still from, from people that uh, get it. Um, and I know you get it, which is why you're back <laughs> on the podcast too. And, and I got your email about uh, wanting to explore more of the Gnostic teachings. So, um, yeah, first off, yeah. Well, give me an update on... Um, soul's journey over the last year or two since the um since the shit show is as <laughs> can i call it a shit show since oh, the yeah. um, the transition the, the human transitional period is is taking place maybe yeah that's right wow yeah i've i've really been in a major learning mode in my life i've been exploring you know the idea of tartaria and resets and different earth histories and uh, geologies and all kinds of things and wicking that into some of the things I learned in my explorations into Gnosticism and writing, you know, Callie the Destroyer. And that's uh, been a journey, a real journey going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. It's made me feel very alive, uh, you know, very, uh, very, uh, kind of in tune with the idea of living in the mystery and that being okay, you know, into the mystic as Van Morrison would have put it. Uh, that's, that's how, what I've been doing. I've been going into the mystic ever deeper and it's been really, I'd have to say it's been uh, amazing and absolutely fascinating. And I've seen many, many parallels between some of the mainstream institutional opposition to this realm of ideas to the to their opposition to the resistance to the COVID narratives, you know? So when you start debunking virology and viruses and that kind of thing, 
they they come after you and they do it in a very similar way when you start going after the sacred cow of their history and of NASA and that kind of thing. It's really fascinating to see how similar their response, the kind of knee-jerk response is to those things. And I would say uh, the, the whole flat earth-ish concept and the whole anti-vaxxer virology thing, those are the two biggest things that get that kind of knee-jerk response out there. In, in, in any fields. I, I, I fully understand. Um, never really spoken about Flat Earth or NASA on, on the podcast and uh, we're, we're nearly up to 400. I think uh, David, David Avocado Wolf might have uh, scratched just the surface maybe. He might have just said a line or two about Flat Earth. So I've never gone there. Oh I'm yeah, sure. it's it's uh, such uh, a loaded uh, thing. But but what I would say to this is that the the where I started out in this journey was an interest in alternative history having to do with Tartaria. This notion that there were there was some kind of event or maybe events, maybe periodic events where things changed and we had we had huge floods or what have been called mud floods you know all over the world you have these buildings with windows underground you know that clearly if, if you look at many of the early uh photographs from the 1800s you have these sumptuous incredible buildings and and then the streets are just mud holes you know, it's, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I was very interested in this notion of alternative history. But when you begin looking at that and, and resets of some kind that could, could be man-made, they could be natural, they could be a combination. When you see this begin to happen, uh, you're, you're looking at this body of research and it's a re re relatively large body of research with some really smart people clapping their brains on this material, you begin to see that you, you can't go here without at least delving into the idea that all of history, all of science, all of it is a fabrication. And as soon as you go there and you begin looking at the inconsistencies in the heliocentric model and what we're told by astrophysicists and geologists and that kind of thing, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And at the very least, an honest person would have to, to, to conclude that we're not being given an accurate picture of the world that we're living in. Mm. Definitely. Um, and some could say that um, by ingesting plant medicines or other types of psychedelics, that gives you a glimpse into um, a larger reality. But what you're talking about is actually manipulated or um, concealed information or suppressed information. I've seen a video where what you were just talking about um, clearly gives the opportunity for the viewer to come to their own conclusions, especially in relation to some of the architecture and buildings, as you, as you talked about uh, from the 1800s, etc. So maybe you want to explain that a little bit more, or a little bit in more detail for for the listeners to well, wrap their head around. 
topic. Yeah, I mean, I can just sort of scratch the surface and I, I can't say that I'm an expert. I'm a student of all of this. I'm not even sure that experts exist in this realm because this is a kind of team effort and people are choosing bits and pieces of the puzzle to focus on. For example, there's uh, a channel I could recommend on YouTube, uh, John Levi, it's J-O-N-L-E-V-I, that's, that's one word, the name of the channel. And he really gives an kind of an in-depth look at this Tartarian concept, this idea of mud floods, the idea that there, there have been these resets involving, you know, large scale destruction and that kind of thing that were then capitalized on by nefarious players to basically send people across the country on orphan trains and do all of these things and repopulate these cities uh, the, as, as the inheritors of this other realm, this other society that had gone bust basically through a cataclysm. So mm. John Levi would be a, an excellent channel for that. Um, my YouTube channel, I'm gonna give you that right now because I yesterday I just interviewed probably the most famous figure in all of the flat earth movement. His name is David Weiss. And so you can go to Crow, uh, YouTube, uh, Crow Rising, like Crow like the bird, Crow Rising. And my latest video there is with uh, an interview with David Weiss. And we were absolutely all over the place. Um, I, I titled the uh, talk, um, you know, the David Weiss and Saul Luckman talk, Tartaria, Great Res Reset, Crater Earth, New Lands, and quote-unquote extraterrestrials. Tartaria, tell me about that. Tartaria, yeah. So, I mean, that's a, oh God, that's a fascinating concept. I'll also say, Pete, that, you know, I got into this because I had been studying the Gnostic view of the earth as a living being and specifically as, as the goddess that created humanity, but the goddess also created our nemesis in a form of a, a, an artificial form of intelligence that the ancient Gnostics referred to as archons. So if you're interested in this subject, you can check out my novel, Cali the Destroyer. There's also a wonderful book by John Lash, Not in His Image, which goes into this from a more scholarly nonfiction perspective. But in any case, um, I had a I had a kind of, I don't know, vested interest in learning more about this. And I got really interested in the idea that, you know, the earth was absolutely not what we're being told it is. And when I began looking at this question, suddenly this model of the planet popped up and, it, it, you know, people have talked about it as flat earth and there are other theories. But what it's not is some kind of strange disk. Okay, no one with any credibility is saying that it's some kind of disk flying around with a bunch of circles out there in space uh, in the form of planets and stars. Okay, it's much more complicated than that. Anyway, uh, the, uh, the model that I got really interested in was that the, there's, a, there's a, let me just back up and punt here just a, a little bit. Some people have proposed that the moon rather than being some kind of uh, rock in space is actually a kind of plasma reflection of the surface of our realm, this thing that we live on, whatever you want to call it. And, mm -hmm. that, and the reason that's really hard for people to see is that the surface of the realm is so incredibly massive 
okay, that you you have to zero in on a little tiny part of the moon map to figure this out. And also the maps have been changed. Uh, and this is documentable. This is not just me saying this, but why they've been changed, I would I would speculate is that they've been changed to hide this connection with the moon map. And so when you begin uh, looking at it from this perspective, things get weirder and weirder. Antarctica ceases to be a, a continent at the south of the globe, and it becomes a large ice wall encircling our, our world. And the ice wall is basically defining the edge of a crater. And so we're living in a kind of gigantic pond. And when you go up to the edge of the ice wall, and there's books about this and testimonials, eyewitness accounts, and all kinds of things having to do with this subject, then, then the earth goes on and on. It goes on for many millions, perhaps, of miles. And there are many, many other craters with other civilizations. So that instead of having like planets, we, we do have extraterrestrials in the extra part of this earth. And they're living in their own ecosystems in these craters, much like our own, but they might have different energetics in those craters. They might have, uh, they might have uh, different size bodies. You might have craters with dinosaurs still living. Who knows what? We don't know. Nobody knows. Or at least nobody who knows is telling us what they know. That's a lot to, to take in after. It is after, a lot, isn't it? <laughs> 12 years of schooling and getting taught all of this stuff. And, you know, I, I mean, I have, you know, those memes where you just have to like cut the top of your head off and bend over and let all that go out. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where we are with all of this. We, anything you're being told that is of a, of a mainstream nature. And I really don't care what it is, is at least 90% a lie. So then the question is why? Why, what, what is the purpose of this? I mean, and, and when you're telling me about all the different craters, it feels like it's, it's like an experiment. I mean, that was the first thing that came to mind. It's like, okay, well, if there's all of these different uh, inhabitants and craters on here, it, I, I could just picture it being like, okay, maybe this is an experiment. What works, what doesn't work? <laughs> or, or maybe there's, there's no one in charge of this and it's just... <laughs> Right, just, just evolution or whatever it is, random. I mean, can we delve a little bit deeper into that? Is there is have you thought about this? Not obviously you have, but um, yeah, sure. Well, the first thing that I thought of was that in the in the Gnostic teachings, you have Sophia or Gaia Gaia Sophia, who is the the goddess. She is an eight and what's called an eon, and she's from. Uh, the realm of where the river lives and that's kind of god in gnosticism and so so the eons are sort of like angels and they assess they assist the originator in creating these experiments if you want to call it that that's exactly what's going on and they she was a geneticist and she created the human genetic blueprint and she brought it here but on the way here she had a traumatic experience, it was sort of an out of body kind of crazy experience where she was deeply uh, terrified. And she created, according to the, this uh, Gnostic way of looking at things, she created a race of uh, Borg-like half organic beings called Archons. 
who don't like her and don't like us, basically. And so one of the theories is that, you know, humanity is being attacked and controlled by another race of beings that has been documented in, you know, really all over the globe, if you look at many of the uh, different uh, myths and that kind of thing of extraterrestrials, sometimes these are called gods or Anunnaki or whatever, but there's this idea that we have a, we have a situation that is unresolved with hidden controllers. And right now, I would suggest we're going through an awakening process to this fact. And that's part of what's going on. Now, why do they want to control us? Well, they don't like us. And they use our energy, our loosh, our life force for their own purposes. They use us as physical slaves to create, uh, to create uh, economies that allow them to maybe uh, do things like colonize areas outside of our crater, for example. So that's your hidden space program. In this model, there's no such thing as space, or at least we don't know what that would be. But there's space, physical space outside the crater. And that's what's being colonized. And each crater is like a planet. So yes, there are extraterrestrials. They're just not space beings. They're physical beings living in another ecosystem next door or across the world from us. So we have a particular relationship with some of these beings, it would appear. <laughs> and it's a kind of dysfunctional, uh, you know, nightmare in many ways, but we're waking up from it and beginning to assert our power, I would suggest. And it's a bumpy ride. What is that mm. one line? Harry Potter, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, that and I heard you say heard you say across the globe then. Do you find yourself still referring to Earth as the globe? Or do you does That's that still probably just a, a knee-jerk reaction? But we don't have language. Even our language has been taken away. I mean, so many things have just been erased. Like the word Tartaria has in essence been erased from what it once meant when it clearly referred to a very large landmass centered on the Russian area but extending possibly, possibly, uh, according to some theories, all over the globe, so that all of this quote-unquote gothic architecture or classical architecture that you see around the globe that was supposedly built, you know, whenever it was supposedly built, was actually built around the same time by a global civilization that was using a lot of this architecture, like these crazy spiky spires on cathedrals and that kind of thing, to harness etheric energy. I mean, just ask yourself why most cathedrals weren't built with bathrooms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they weren't mm -hmm. built for humans, okay? They were doing something else. So they, they were basically these energy converters. And very often all this was connected to these elaborate fountain systems like at places like Versailles, where they were doing something to energize the water. It was somehow powering some aspect of their grid we know that there was electricity a very long time ago, or at least batteries in places like Egypt with the Baghdad battery and that sort of thing. So technology has been around for a very long time in my estimation and has been utilized um, you know, for a variety of purposes, but all this again has been erased, 
hidden from us, people who talk about this are made to seem like they're ancient aliens, kooks or freaks, or they, you know, they, they can't use logic. But as I've learned in my, in my, my deep dive into virology and to the problems with viral theory and germ theory, I've learned that most people calling themselves scientists today are absolutely brainwashed. And I'm surprised they can drive down the street because they clearly don't know how to use logic. Mm. I just interviewed last week uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, who you might have heard he testified oh, yes, in the Senate, Senate mm -hmm. um, pushing uh, ivermectin, ivermectin as an early treatment for COVID. And it was, it, I love the interview because it took me a couple of years to, to get him onto the, the platform and it was perfect timing as, as everything always is. And he said over the last year or so, he has really had to question everything that he's ever learned about medicine. And he's been introduced now into the fraternity or the world of integrative doctors, naturopathy, functional medicine, and right. I guess what you could call alternative healing. And he said he's, he's basically on a new journey in his medicine career where he is questioning pretty much his last 30 years of, of education 20 30 years of education and i said you know it takes a, a courageous person to be able to really question something that they've been a believer in for so long and i guess mm -hmm. when you touched on the virology or the virus and the germ theory and terrain theory it's really interesting because some of the I'm on certain pages on Telegram, for instance, and, and I, I love to take in as much information and see as many viewpoints as possible, just like this conversation here about the earth. And, and one of the things that I see playing out is this notion of germ theory, germ theory versus terrain theory. And there's two camps and, and I've interviewed both sides. And one of the things I, I like to offer them is can both exist and both be true at the same time, like the paradox of health. Because one of the things that I've come to, one of, one of my beliefs or observations is that if enough people believe something's true, we create uh, an egregore. Um, I've had Mark Stavish come on the podcast and talk about egregores, which is basically group think or group um, collective group thought and belief, which turns something into reality. So if there's enough people believing in the terrain theory and there's enough people believing in the germ theory, can both exist at the same time? Or is there a, or is there a truth that cannot be deviated from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, egregore is a fascinating concept, you know, and um, in other, an, another Eastern tradition, you have the, the concept of the tulpa, and this is literally a physical being that you manifest with your thoughts that can stand in front of you. And so in, in my book, uh, Callie the Destroyer, there is a tulpa of the eons that, that can show up. So suddenly you've got, you know, Thelite in front of you, and that's the consort of Sophia, right? And that's manifestation of thought, of, of uh, psychic energy. So I, I get where you're coming from, absolutely. Um, and I would not say what you're saying is impossible in, in a kind of theoretical way, 
the problem is that with 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 that notion that they could both exist germ theory and terrain theory is that there is no actual proof for contagion it just doesn't exist mm-hmm. and people who say it exists are misreading the data or simply don't understand the studies that have been done or they're being paid and i believe there's lots of them so we have a problem Ex- with that <laughs> yeah, explain that because in a in a household, you know, I, and I meet a lot of people. They say, "Oh, the flu or the cold came through the house, and we all caught it, except one of us." <laughs> or, right, right. or you know, and I'm yeah. like, "How does that happen? How, How does, does that happen?" Well, yeah. well, this is a okay. The the to say that you you you're witnessing a phenomenon is not the same as to say that you've explained or proven what's supporting that phenomenon all right and just as in the same way that you might have an egregore or you might have a collective psychosis which we have a lot of that going on you know you could easily see how a quote-unquote illness could be passed from one person to another and this is called a psychosomatic effect so that is one of many ways of looking at something like the flu. I actually think that flu is a seasonal detoxification. I think that we are connected via things like exosomes and hormones and other things chemically, but also we're morphically connected to other people so that we have an energy connection to people. And we're like animals that uh, might all shed at the same time. So we would detox at the same time. So family groups could easily do that. And we certainly see other strange examples in nature of things syncing up in a non-physical way or in a a way that we don't totally understand. Like how do women living together synchronize their menstrual cycles? Mm. I mean, that's not a flu going around. They're not catching a bug, you know, it's Mm. some other phenomenon. It's so to say that, yeah, to say that we, we can observe a phenomenon once again, that doesn't mean it's been explained and the contagion model hasn't been proven to exist scientifically. So we can't ever say that anyone has ever been given a, a, a virus or a germ that's made them sick that they then got back out of the person, gave to someone else and that person got sick. This is Koch's postulates. They've never been fulfilled. And here we are, all of these years later, really, it goes back to Louis Pasteur. We're talking mid-1800s, the same time that other things were going on in this Tartarian uh, scenario that I was outlining, where there were clearly people, many, many people associated with people like the Rockefellers and other, other folks who were rewriting history in all kinds of different ways. So they got a hold of Louis Pasteur who plagiarized Béchamp's work in terrain theory. Louis Pasteur was a total fraud. And the, the germ theory he was promoting was a kind of bastardization of the terrain theory. He was a complete fraudster. Everything he wrote going forward, a little bit like Darwin, all of it was completely fake, mixed in with a bunch of lies. None of it's real. And then the Rockefellers used that as the foundation for their hijacking of the medical system into Rockefeller medicine based on big pharma, pharmaceuticals, that kind of thing. They got rid of uh, any knowledge or acceptance of herbs and other things of a natural nature that could make people well. 
and they did exactly they did this erasure and substitution that they they did exactly the same thing with our our physical history in terms of what happens with these great resets and i believe all of this was in preparation to try to control us leading forward to the next great great reset and they even use that word right now great reset which is somewhere on the horizon so the problem seems to be, and even David Weiss was saying this in our interview, and I had heard this before as well, that we're waking up faster than the, they thought we would, headed into this great reset, and they're in damage control to try to keep us under wraps or, or you know, under their thumb, or under their jackboots long enough for the planet to kick in with another reset and to help them accomplish this goal of transitioning us as a kind of scattered ignorant, poor people into the next cycle. Yeah, it's fucking, the last couple of years is just wild. And every day it seems to be getting more wild. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> I have hope like, yeah, it's, it's happening. And then other days I'm like, fuck, they've just bought this or this has just turned up. Like, wow. I mean, I, one of the things, I mean, I've, I've interviewed Alana Freeland on the podcast before talking about um, what they're spraying in the skies, you know, and that's such a contentious issue. And just, it was funny, even on the weekend, we had a retreat and just as we were setting up the campfire in the, for sunset, this, this plane that's not on a normal flight path, just fucking started spraying this stuff straight mm. out, <laughs> right above us. I was like, wow. Like, wow and luckily enough the group that i'm with it they're like oh, they're spraying so it, it's it's not more and more people are uh, starting to look up and, and question or actually just go what is that and i still have a huge question even i was interviewing many many people and one of the guests recently their partner was a, a pilot and she said that her husband who's been flying for years doesn't believe it they think it's contrails and and no one's putting anything into the sky and i've heard that from many many different people that that are pilots or joy flighters and things like this but then i've heard from other people that you know there, there's there's something definitely going on globe globally using that term or worldwide where the sky is not the same as it was 20 or 30 years ago or even 10 years ago. And I saw a, a news segment two weeks ago that said that they've just now announced 12 new different types of clouds to be included in the Bureau of Meteorology or, or the, mm -hmm. the education for meteorologists and for, for the public to, to be able to identify now. I hope there were air quotes around that word education. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can we touch on can we touch on that just for a minute? Because it still is one of these questions that I have about if that's happening, if there is whatever they're deploying, what's the purpose of that? You know, I've written I okay, I was nearly killed by jabs. Okay, so I've been nearly killed by, by allopathic medicine. I, I spent many years 
looking into esoteric concepts, metaphysics, uh, alternative healing, different notions of the body, that kind of thing. And then I began a very in-depth exploration of the Illuminati question, the deep state question, the Archon question. And I'm, that's a, that is ongoing for me. So I have a lot of experience here, a couple of decades of experience in this realm where basically this is my job. This is what I do. And I don't, I'm not saying that I have all of the answers. I'm saying I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of pieces of data and a lot of threads that I've been able to thread together. One of the things I've learned about these controllers, whoever they are, whatever they are, is that they almost never do anything for one reason. They're very good chess players and they make one move operate on multiple levels. So when they're spraying these chemtrails around, and I, I, I know for a fact this is a phenomenon. I, I have a lot of data around that. I've had people have done atmospheric assessments and everything in the world on these things. I, I've, I've seen eyewitnesses. I've talked to people about this. In any case, the, my, my contention is that they're, they're terraforming our crater and this gets back to the Archon question and the whole crater earth concept. So they're terraforming this place to, to be more like where they're from so that they can ultimately inhabit it. The issue with the Archons is that they are not compatible with our atmosphere. So they have to change our crater to be able to inhabit it, but they first had to control it, which is what they spent a long time doing they had to control it so that they could do all of these things either completely under the radar because people are completely brainwashed or they could do it and just give the middle finger to everybody because nobody could do anything about it. So they're basically just flying around. Some people are, you know, like those people who couldn't even see the ships when the Spaniards showed up. They're just absolutely blind and other people can see it, but what can they do about it? So they're terraforming. There's also a lot of energy that comes from whatever the sun is, and it tends to wake people up and shake people up. And there's all kinds of studies having to do with solar flares and that kind of thing, whatever they are. And it's not, the sun is not what we've been taught either. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Anyway, the, they would probably be trying to stop any type of solar flash event that might awaken even more people. Hmm. So at I've least, never, I've, two, I've never at thought about it like that. Things. Yeah, because what 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 happens when you have these solar flashes? It, it literally detoxes your body. You dump heavy metals. Some people die because of this. It can kill you because it creates a kind of Hertzheimer response on some level, and it can it can kill you. It can lead to suicide. It can lead to all kinds of things. But it can also mobilize healing and mo mobilize movement of consciousness. Mm. I think they're trying to shield us from that and they're using barium and other metals to kind of reflect the sun back at itself while terraforming our surface, the surface of our crater to be more like their home world. And I could talk more about what I think that might be. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's at least a couple of things going on. And there are some other theories I've heard that I think maybe have a little less going for them, but that might be plausible pieces of the puzzle as well. So interesting talking about the sun, and I will <clears throat> I will get into follow you up on on why you think where the, where the terraforming may go. But just talking about the sun, um, you know, we've been 
taught to fear it, especially in this country. We have huge campaigns against skin cancer and Same here. cancer. And, you know, I, I remember sharing a, a photo of myself looking at the sunrise, you know, saying I just glance at the sunrise in the morning. And the mainstream media took that and really created a, a, a good smear campaign against me through all the papers and the talkback TV shows over here, news programs saying that uh, what I was doing will harm people's eyes and make them go blind. Like it was, it was proper. <laughs> it was a proper thing. Same thing with sunscreen. When I came out and said most sunscreens contain uh, cancer-causing uh, ingredients. Oh, wow. So the same thing. Great. It went through the whole mainstream media and uh, breakfast radio, talkback radio, uh, the breakfast TV shows, the nightly current affairs shows, they all piled on and said that um, uh, they got the Cancer Council on to say that Pete Evans is dangerous, blah, 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 blah. And then lo and behold, over the last few years, the evidence has come out that many sunscreens have cancer-causing ingredients. But I, I want to talk <laughs> about just, uh, I have taken, as many of the listeners and viewers know, uh, ingested toad medicine many times in in my in my life and one of the phenomenons that that um, I find fascinating in my experience and I'm not suggesting anybody do toad medicine and I'm not suggesting the next part of this this but in my experience when I have ingested it and when I've witnessed others that I'll, I'll use my last example when I ingested toad medicine in a sacred ceremony. It was in the middle of the day and in the experience, I could look directly at the sun for, it was at least five minutes, (coughs) midday sun and no pain, no nothing. It was just, and for me, it was was a direct connection to everything that is, especially regarding the sun. And I've witnessed, my wife actually 10 minutes looking midday sun and um you know fascinating you know like absolutely fascinating and i'm not recommending it to anybody to do this because you know i (laughs) i don't do it in the middle of the day but in that experience of that medicine as many um, traditions call it ingesting these psychedelics that and I didn't have a distortion of time while that was happening. It was when I had come back into the human reality or this reality. So I was fully conscious of, of what I was doing. But yeah, abs- and in that, when I was connecting with the sun's energy, it felt like I was being upgraded or healing or detoxing or whatever it may be. It just felt so natural to be able to do that. Um, I just wanted to share that and then we could get into the terraforming where you think this may be headed. Well, I, I loved, uh, I mean, I loved what you said. It was a fascinating story and I've studied um, sun gazing and I've done a little bit of that in my time and not recommending it, but just saying this has my, been my experience. And, you know, one of the things you learn, uh, you know, or hear about is, you know, people having kind of remarkable healings and de- like you said, detoxification and that sort of thing. It, as if you're really being energized. And that's, you know, that's very consistent with what I was saying about just normal solar activity having an impact on our bodies. Yeah. 
and and just so everybody knows I'm, my eyesight is um, nearly 50 I don't wear glasses I, I've got great eyesight so I haven't damaged it through that experience but again right. I'm not suggesting it to anybody I'm not suggesting taking psychedelics either it's it's personal choice but it is a very ancient practice is it not Pete mm -hmm. yeah it is a very ancient practice and and I have studied uh, sun gazing and uh, there's been some some tremendous data that has come out from that and again it's it's admiring a sunset or a, or a sunrise and you know a, a simple glance at that you know that's there's a reason why we're why we're attracted to such a, a point in the day um for this um this connection to the sun and and as you know, so many religions and spiritual ideologies are based all around the sun and the stars and the moon. And um, yeah, I do want to, I'm curious. I to, to, can, I, can I ask you one thing or just, just yeah, say one thing? Like, I just want people to go check out my paintings with this conversation in mind, Saul slash Luckman.pixels.com, pixels.com. And look at how many sun paintings, some of them are very abstract that I've done over the years. I, it's, it is something that I just can't get enough of. And I'm, so I know there's something to what you're saying. In the Gnostic, in the Gnostic uh, story, the sun was a, a deity, a lesser deity than the Eon Sophia, but a deity nonetheless that was actually siding with the Lord Archon, also called the Demiurge. And when Sophia stood up to the Archon and called him blind because he's actually physically blind, which is interesting in light of this conversation, the son was so impressed by her and so just moved by her that he switched allegiance or she switched allegiance in the Gnostic teaching, I believe it's a female, and uh, became a follower of Sophia. So there's an alignment. Mm. In that tradition, a very strong uh, foundational alignment between the sun and our realm. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. My wife, Nick, talks about uh, absorbing the light codes. And as the sun each and every day, it has a different code to give us different information that our DNA reacts with or our, our bodies just uh, thrive off. But every day is a different thing. So we... we part of her um, ritual is every morning to stand on the earth and receive those light codes, especially early at sunrise and at sunset as often as possible. You know, it's a, it's a very simple practice. And uh, worst case scenario is you're getting to see beauty in nat natural beauty. And if you've got your shoes off and you're standing on the ground, you're getting the earth's magnetism. So that can't be debated and um, it can't be underestimated. Vitamin D too, right? Uh-huh, exactly. Vitamin so. D, you're earthing, so you're helping cancel out any negative electromagnetic energy in your system. And that's very documented as well. I mean, this isn't just made up stuff. There is a lot of science underwriting this conversation. So my question to you is, because uh, you've studied this for so many decades, and you've healed yourself from, as you said, the, the toxic jabs way before COVID is, have you ever thought about just like, this is too much information. I just want to be <laughs> live a simple life and be ignorant. And I don't want to keep going down these rabbit holes. Um, 
do you question yourself on this and do you take time out from from this or anybody listening to this can they just go you know that's too much information I just want to live my life you know in a way like uh, as um, Cypher said in the, in the Matrix, let me just go back and I, I, I want to eat that steak and I don't care that, I, <laughs> that, I, that it's not real type thing. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, you know, the ignorance is bliss thing is, is very real. I don't know. I am such a curious mind, always have been, that it would be very difficult for me to do that. But I do get mentally fatigued sometimes and I don't spend all of my time my day time looking into these types of things. I, I love to surf. I, I do a lot of body surfing. I have a really wonderful pipo board that I, a, a, a Hawaiian style wooden old timey body board that I love to surf on. Um, you know, I do lots of other things. I ride my bike. I, I mix, uh, I'm working on a book called the art of the healthy craft cocktail. <laughs> so I, I mix lots of very uh, sort of apothecary <laughs> style ingredients and cocktails, essential oils, uh, you know, potato based, you know, liquors and that kind of thing to get away from the kind of gluten aspect. And so, you know, I spend a, a lot of creative time uh, doing other things, painting, you know, spending time with my family, you know, doing some traveling and that, that sort of thing. So I'm not like, I'm not on this wavelength 24 seven, but I will say this when, when you pass through that kind of dark place where you realize you've been lied to and you don't know anything, that is a really dark place. And it's a scary place. And it's one of the reasons people don't wake up. And I completely understand that. I don't even judge that. I just, I think it's a little sad because on the other side of that is tremendous empowerment. And truly the ability to change things in not only in our own lives, but in our communities and maybe even the world. After all, heal yourself and heal the world. So I encourage people, you know, put on their big boy and big girl pants, you know, and, and go through that darkness, embrace that shadow and, and begin taking in information. And if it triggers you, if it really like a flat earth or sun gazing or something if it triggers you i would humbly suggest that it does so because there is something of truth in it that you're not aware of and that it's just pushing your buttons of of unknowing and if you would just allow yourself to know like with all of these scientists it's not as if they're 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 IQ deficient, it is that they are unwilling to open their minds. They're unwilling to admit, like the good doctor you mentioned earlier, that maybe they were on the wrong track for a long time. And they're unwilling to reinvent themselves, which I find very sad because one of the problems with aging is that we, we are, our minds literally kind of ossify and our, our ability to use kind of neuroplasticity neuro plasticity, variability in our thought patterns and our brain waves and our circuitry, it decreases and we shrink into these little, little perception boxes and we can no longer take on new information and we die. I believe that we would live longer and we would be much healthier if we would embrace 
the mystery, if we would go into the mystic, if we would pass through the darkness and allow ourselves to come out the other side of that, whatever that is, that tunnel. For me, it was kind of like a tunnel. I mean, it was, it was scary. Uh, sometimes I joked, I said, it's a tunnel inside a tunnel. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. But there is an end to it. There truly is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I really think we're, we're doing this, we're going through this process collectively. So this yeah. dark night of the soul that we're in is the collective version of this. I don't know if every single person will make it to the other side. I have my doubts about a lot of people who are heavily invested in uh, certain viewpoints, but who knows? I'm, I hope they do. I hope everybody does. I, you know, it would be my, my wish for the planet would be that we could sort of ascend together, in whatever that means. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about the, the jabs because you mentioned it before and you've had experience, but over the last year, we've seen the, the a worldwide rollout of <clears throat> these technologies, mRNA. I know they're not technically a vaccine as per se, but uh, we're witnessing, um, you know, such a great push, especially in this country and other countries um, where jobs are threatened. It's, it's so fascinating witnessing it because a year ago there were pro protests and people were losing their jobs, their livelihoods, was mandated pretty much across the board for being able to travel from state to state or to, to, to keep your employment. So a lot of people succumb to putting something in their bodies that they, they didn't want to, but at the same time, a lot of people willingly uh, believe the notion that these things would protect them. And we've come to realize that number one, they don't do anything other than create a greater chance of uh, pain and suffering in somebody's body or illness. So, and now they're, they're actually- on No, I'm oh, sorry. That's okay. Because what, what's so fascinating is just this week, they've announced that the teachers, the police, the, the healthcare workers in this country, I think it is, can go back to work. The unvaccinated ones that lost their jobs and can now go back to work six, eight, nine months, even a year later. It's like, like why, why would they do that? Like, where's the conviction in that? No, I'm not talking about the people going back to work, but the, um, the mandators, why would they change their course? Why wouldn't they just stick to it? So mm -hmm. what's your mm -hmm. perception over these mRNA? Because at the same time, I've in Victoria and Australia, which is one of the states here, they've announced that by 2024, they've got, uh, they're building a facility for, I think it's Pfizer or one of them, Moderna, I'm not exactly sure which one, but to be able to create 100 million doses per year of mRNA technology in this country. And I've heard Biden last week talking about the same thing, that they're investing in different um, uh, manufacturing facilities globally around the world to be able to do that in right. a year or two or three. So it's not like they're letting up on the manufacturing of these vaccines or technologies. So take me through your perception of why did they need to get this into a large majority of people in this country? It was 90% in, in the United States. I think it was 40 or 50%, who knows? And um, different parts of the world, they've got a 98, 99% uh, intake of this. And why would they be manufacturing more of this in, in 
countries around the world to deploy in two, three, four, five years time. Right, right. So, I mean, those are great questions. And it's, this is, a, so many of the threads of this discussion do tie, tie into each other. So maybe I, I can unpack, let me start with the SimRNA piece, but I'd like to take this back to the Archon and the Crater piece and the terraforming because it's all completely related, all right? So I said earlier that the mainstream science explanations are at least 90% a lie, right? So here's another example. This is a wonderful article. It's published on my blog. That's snooze to awaken with the number two snooze to awaken.com. And this is the, 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 uh, the renowned venerable John Rappaport writing. The article is a very recent one. It's called one more time. Where is the spike protein? Okay. So I'm going to read just a little bit about this rather than butcher his point. Let's say you're a vaccine researcher. You develop a new type of shot that deploys RNA. The RNA, when injected, has one purpose. It induces cells of the body to produce something called the spike protein. That's it. According to your theory, the body's immune system will spring into action and mount a neutralizing attack against this protein. As a result, when the real thing comes along, the virus, which contains the spike protein, the vaccinated person will be protected. His immune system will ward off the virus. Since, again, the whole and only reason you're injecting the RNA shot is to make the body produce the spike protein, aren't you going to make sure the body is, in fact, producing that protein? Of course you are. How will you do that? Well, the only way you can, you'll line up 10 to 20,000 vaccinated people and test them. You'll test them to make sure you can find that spike protein in their bodies. So show me the study. And so John is one of many researchers who are questioning whether the mRNA does any such thing. First of all, there is no spike protein. What you're seeing in the, the corona of this so-called virus is basically uh, a, a, um, a chemical that's been injected into the slide that has eaten out portions of the exterior part of that little piece of protein, which is just part of the body's own self. And that's what it is. So there is no spike protein in this scenario related to this fictional coronavirus. That is a myth. Now, are there spike proteins? Yes. Could they be fabricated? Yes. But there is no virus. And what they're calling the coronavirus is just part of our own cellular debris that has been basically eaten away at by a protein eating substance. So there can be no ability to create the spike protein, you know, in relation to a virus, but it goes, what John is saying, it goes actually further than this, is that the, the shots are not doing what they say they're doing. They're not even trying to do that. The whole purpose of these is not to do that. So what is the purpose? In my estimation, there are transhumanist elements to what they're doing, and they're trying to make people more robot-like. They're injecting nanotech and other things into people's systems to control their minds. You know, we already have Bill Gates out there patenting a cryptocurrency that would, you know, relate to stuff, something injected in you and they could monitor your body so they could tell if you're working or doing whatever and you would earn cryptocurrency that way. So this is completely archontic and it has to do with this terraforming the planet so that they can come in. They, they have to be able to come in, but we, their slave race in their, in their wet dream, have to be able to survive in this altered planet as well. So they're, trans, they're making us more transhuman 
while making the environment less hospitable to regular humans so that they can come in and be the slave lords with their slave species. Hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a fucking lot. But here's the thing. It's not going to work. It's already falling apart. And one of the reasons they're waffling back and forth like we've seen them doing, and you were just indicating what had happened in Australia, is that their narrative has been ripped to shreds by an ever-awakening population. Because just as there are a lot of sleepwalkers, there are a lot of people who are just popping up wide awake. And that, that pool of people is growing and growing and growing. And now you mm. see people, doctors, beginning to reinvent their careers late in the game. You know, I've interviewed Andrew Kaufman. I've interviewed Tom Cowan. I've interviewed uh, Dr. Sam Bailey, who's down in New Zealand. Uh, you know, she's um, absolutely amazing. I would highly recommend her. But you can check out all, all my interviews on my like my bit shoot channel or youtube or my Substack or any of that just just find me somewhere and just start watching this material if you go to snooze to awaken.com and you type in germ theory for example you will get literally hundreds of posts on this subject well that brings us then to something that i've asked many people on the podcast and i've had uh, the 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 good fortune of interviewing Kaufman and Cowan as well. And I'm not Sam Bailey yet, but um, hopefully you might be able to do an introduction for us. That would be wonderful oh, I'd be to, happy. Have a, to have a Kiwi across the ditch, having a chat with us. Oh, well, but, you know, and her, her husband, Mark, is also really talented. So you could do a, you know, you could interview, in theory, both of them uh, or, or just one of them, of course. But I'm saying he's also a player in this. Awesome. So the question I have for many people that come onto the, the podcast is... A lot of our listeners or viewers have friends or family that have taken this mRNA um, dosage, um, whether it be one, two, three, four, who knows. But um, one of the questions they have is what, what, what do they do once it's inside? And, and going back to some of your books, and um, I wonder if you have, and I don't like to use the word protocol, but um, any any advice for people that either have taken it or their friends or family have taken it and what they can do, um, you know, is there, is there vibrational healing? Is there singing? Is there toning? Is there what's in your bag of tricks that you would offer people or is it in there for good? Right. Well, since we don't know for sure what is in there, we don't know if it's in there for good. All right. Um, however, I would suggest that we are very powerful creators in a variety of ways and that nothing that doesn't kill us could actually ever be in there for good. It's like Camus is credited with saying, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And if we can have that mentality and realize that we are powerful creators and there's lots of things that we can do on a variety of different levels, then we can begin to empower ourselves. On a, on, a, on a simple mental processing level, I would recommend that people look up on YouTube uh, uh, or on Amazon or someplace where you can find his books or his, um, his talks that he gave for many decades, Neville Goddard, G-O-D-D-A-R-D, Neville Goddard. And he is, he is 
he created an enormous body of work that in many ways was behind the the whole you know spirituality new age manifestation the secret all of that he was behind all of that because he predated all of it he he was doing his work in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and he is maybe the greatest of all time on this subject and maybe the the truest you know where he's, he's nailing it and what he's basically saying is that the divine part of ourselves is our imagination and it is it is essentially all powerful but there are ways of utilizing the imagination that we're not taught and one of them is what i like to call in my book potentiate your dna is to utilize the power of positive feeling not just the power of positive thinking but the power of positive feeling so that you put yourself in the using your imagination you put yourself in the state where you want to be so you would say that you're healthy that you're free of any any elements of these jabs or any symptoms or side effects thereof and you would feel what it would be like to have that burden removed have that fear and anxiety removed and just be in that place imagine that and feel that at night before going to bed and what you'll do is you will trigger your body into a healing mode but it could possibly go well beyond that into more metaphysical and miraculous instantaneous healings so that's one place where you can really feel empowered to to work with your imagination i'm in the process of bringing out my very first book which i got offered a a, a new york time a new, not new york times a, a big new york based publishing contract back in the day that i turned down for a variety of reasons and i'm reissuing it either this year or the beginning of next year it's called beginner's luke and it's about a, a fellow going around imagining himself into existence. So this is something I've thought a great deal about. And I think it's what we're all doing. And we most of us just don't know we're doing it. And he sometimes doesn't know. Luke, my character, doesn't know he's doing it. And he gets himself into all kinds of crazy circumstances and tragedies and things that he learns from over the course of his journey. So that's one thing, Pete. Uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about this regenetic stuff that I do too. I, I can mm -hmm. uh, clue people into the energy work I do. It's the energy work that I use to get over my own vaccine injury. And other people have used it this way for going on two decades now. And we you know, have a lot of uh, amazing testimonials of you know just profound benefits that people have reported so if you go to snooze to awaken.com there's an article called immunize in quotes immunize yourself against vaccine injury <laughs> using this method so against vaccine injury and the website is phoenixregenetics.org it's about this method i developed and thousands and thousands of people we have lots of facilitators we've got a couple facilitators in australia who uh offer this work um uh, there's a couple books out there on it one's called conscious healing the other is potentiate your dna potentiate your dna is also available in spanish and it's about to be released in french so you know the word it's getting out and it can be very helpful but that's an empowering thing you can do and you can learn how to do the first part of this method on yourself or for your family or your friends or your pets you can use it even for non-human things like gardens or businesses or whatever and it's really quite extraordinary what it can do even in those instances 
Mm. Well, it's interesting. And first, because... I was going to say the last thing, Pete, is that the first Sunday of every month, we, we do a free global session that people can just sign up for. So if they go to phoenixregenetics.org, it's the worldwide potentiation ceremony, and you can just sign up wherever you are, and we will put you on the list and potentiate you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. It's interesting because in your book, um, and also having one of these uh, DNA potentiating experiences with one of your facilitators here in Australia, <clears throat> I l- love the... Um, for the use of the, the vowels as, as, a, as a form of energetic communication or healing. And I might let you talk about that because interestingly enough, my wife, Nick, is, is going through a course at the moment and, and gaining more and more information as she does. And uh, she is using the, uh, the R-E-R-O-U, uh, I'll let you do it because you do it so much more beautiful um, and, and explain what that does and what those sounds do and why they're so important and how they've sort of been re-manipulated to a degree, maybe, if that's the right word. Yeah, sure. Um, well, can I, can I let people know about this upcoming interview I'm giving on this exact subject? It's, a, it's a, uh, during the Global DNA Series 4. You can go to theglobaldnasummit.com and register for free and there's free gifts and there's a bunch of different speakers. Uh, Alfred Lambermont Weber is going to be there. Um, Gerald Pollock, uh, who uh, has done work on the fourth phase of water. He's going to be presenting William Brown, Brad Olson, a number of people that people might find are going to be presenting. And so I have an interview with Akurda uh, Melchizedek, who is heading this up and people might find that very interesting because we go into this in some detail this very subject did you did you know that i write about this kind of in in cali pete did you realize that no i didn't know but i'm fascinated Um, by it uh let me uh humor me for a second because what i would love to do is share a tiny piece and people might say well you know you're you're reading from your material again but i say who cares whatever please do Um, um, but this is um, this is this is a fictional representation of of this work, basically. And you have the main character is is Cali, and that's C A L I. So Cali the Destroyer, spelled with a C. And she is having a conversation with a figure named Thelite. So let me see if I can pull this up, if, it, if it's there. All right, hold on, I'm looking for it. Um, and what I wanted to do in this book is actually present what I call the language of the birds, which is this vowel-only language that you're, you were mentioning just now. Um, and you, you um, have references to this in various places. Um, William Henry is a wonderful author who wrote about this years ago in a series of books. He wrote a great deal about it, actually. And it's a vowel-based ancient language that it can be used for healing. And some of the theories are is that it's actually the creational language. It's, it's what was used to bring the world into being. Hmm. 
So um, I am looking for this, Pete, if you can just humor me half a second. I didn't expect to do this, but I'm, I think it would be <laughs> beneficial because I could just go, you know, in circles around this, but um, let me Take find your time. it. Okay, let's see here. All right, so this is Callie and Thelate talking. Um, and they're sitting in his teepee, right? <clears throat> he says, do you remember the two lines of vowels your mother wrote in her secret note? Yeah, I took forever memorizing them. They're burned into my brain. Can you say them to me slowly, one line at a time? And she says, A-E-I-I-U-I-O-O-U-U-I-A-O. -I 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 and it's capitalized. And he says, good. And then she says in lowercase and U-U-O-E-A-A-A-I-A-A-E-I-A. Excellent. By any chance, do you I've taken a year, but I wouldn't say I know Spanish. But you have been taught the rules of Spanish pronunciation. Claro que sí. Then I want you to repeat the lines again. But this time, instead of pronouncing the vowels as letters of the English alphabet, pronounce them as if they were in Spanish words. Like this. A, E, O, E, U, E? Exactly. Only do not separate the sounds. Let them flow together as if forming a single word. O, I, O, continued Callie. U, Perfect. Just one question, Delate laughed. Only one, he asked with a wink. Only one that shouldn't be terribly mistimed. Why was I the first? Why was the first line of vowels capitalized while the second one was lowercase? You are right. The question is only slightly mistimed. I will answer it momentarily. But first, can you sing this note with conviction in a higher octave? Taking a deep breath from his diaphragm, he sang the vowel O to a mid-range note for a solid ten seconds. His vibrato was so strong the owl feathers in his headdress danced. The impressive sound of his voice made Callie think of Italian opera. That was amazing, she couldn't help exclaiming. What note were you singing? It was beautiful, but also a little odd. You have a keen ear. We refer to the standard note, which I was singing in a lower octave as gaur, meaning home. Others have called it me. It is not to be confused with the E in your diatonic hill. Never heard of it. That is not surprising. The musical scale used by the bird tribes is the original musical scale. What does that even mean? The creational scale in tandem with sacred vowels was used to fashion the universe and all life herein. The world, you might say, was literally spoken or rather sung into being. Callie recalled the two adult figures she'd watched singing beside the cosmic ocean in her delirium. In the beginning was the word. Many have interpreted this line from your Bible as a metaphor. Emphatically, it is not. The creational scale was employed for millennia and cultures everywhere for healing and connecting with the originator. The five English vowels, which represent a rough distillation of many vowels back to their prim primordial roots, match the five nucleotide bases of DNA and RNA. Thus a properly performed bird song heals at the genetic level. And I'll stop there, even though it goes on. That gives you a flavor of hmm. the book, also the concept behind regenetics. 
Love it. Thank you so much. That was um, that was powerful. Very, very powerful. I could feel it. I could feel it <laughs> doing its work on me too. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and one, you know, one time this actually happened to me after having all of the regenetics work on myself. I went outside one day. I was in Palm Springs, California, and there are these beautiful birds that sing at night. And I saw one in the tree above me, and I was earthing. <laughs> and I I spoke to it, just being silly. And then it sang to me, and I repeated what it had sung. And that set me off on a multi-week detox. Just that little interaction with this bird. Wow. I, I, I actually, as you were starting to read, the, I had a bird land in the tree just outside my window, and it was a, a beautiful bird. And when you finished, it took off, so... Yeah. I love pretty it. common it's so funny like pets and young children will show up when this work is being performed or talked about and sometimes they will just sit very quietly and uncharacteristically <laughs> and then when it's over they're they're like okay that's that's done I'm going on now <laughs> brother once again thank you so much for your time I'm I am very grateful for all you are and and yeah, our connection, it's, it's always a, a very different journey for me when I, I speak with you, and um, I'm very grateful for that. I love you, mate. Thank you. I love you too, Pete. Thanks so much for having me, and I'm, I look forward to our next chat. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, where are we going to go? We've got to go back into the terraforma for the next one. Maybe not. We'll, 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 we'll dance around whatever's happening in the world at the moment, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, I can talk about other things. Awesome. Love you, brother. Cheers, mate. Take care.